Welcome to Quest for Gold, episode 26. We are exactly six months from the summer games in Japan, but before we get to the summer sports, let's talk some winter sports. Ski jumping in the Midwest this weekend marks Norgi Ski Club's annual international winter tournament. Saturday features the junior competition and K-70 competition. Sunday, the K-70 U.S. Cup Five Hills Tournament and longstanding competition. It's a lot of fun to witness, and Fox River Grove's Norgi Ski Club is the home to three ski jump Olympics. In 2018, I had a chance to play around there a couple years ago. We've got the video attached below. Brittany Tonell is competing in the U.S. Figure Skating Championships in Greensboro. She led the way after the short program. We talked to Brady in episode 13 of Quest for Gold. In U.S. gymnastics news, more fallout this week in the Dr. Larry Nasser scandal. Search warrants were issued at the home and gym of Coach John Gettert. Gettert was one of two head coaches of the 2012 U.S. Women's Olympic Gymnastics Team. He worked closely with Dr. Larry Larry Nasser. Authorities are reportedly looking at financial records and documents related to Gettard's Twist Stars USA Gymnastics Club just outside of Lansing, Michigan. Coronavirus has been in the news. It's been widespread in Wuhan, China, so much so they've actually closed some movement in parts of the city. Japan is one of the countries that does have a confirmed case of the coronavirus, as has the U.S. Olympics officials say they're monitoring the situation. You may remember in 2016, some athletes shied away from competing in Rio over fears of the Zika virus. We'll talk more about that in an upcoming episode. Chicago Red Stars Julie Ertz and Allison Nayer have been named to the U.S. Olympic qualifying roster for the U.S. Women's National Team. They haven't qualified yet. Other familiar faces like Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd are also on that roster. And a cool experience for the U.S. Women's Softball Team. They rang the bell on the New York Stock Exchange Friday. Front and center pitcher Monica Abbott, who we interviewed in episode 22. On this week's Athlete Spotlight, we talked to a guy I've been anxious to talk to since we launched Quest for Gold, Robbie Hummel, well-known Purdue basketball standout, turned to the NBA where he played for a couple seasons and eventually found himself playing internationally. But he fell out of love with the sport. That is, until a new opportunity came along, three-on-three Olympic basketball, which is set to debut this summer in Japan. First of all, this this is really cool because three-on-three basketball uh, has never been done in the Olympics before. Uh, first of all, why don't you explain what it is? I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty obvious, but uh, for people uh, who maybe aren't familiar with it, people who you've maybe had to explain it to, how, how would you explain it? Yeah, it's um, it's a different game than 5-on-5, five five, and it, it can be a little, I think, uh, confusing at first to play just from a, there, there's certain strategies and certain philosophies that you have almost burned into your mind from 5-on-5 five five that you just can't do in 3-on-3. Uh, but it's a half-court game. It's uh, 10 minutes or first 21, whichever happens first. You play with ones and twos. Um, there's no really checking it up unless there's a foul or out of bounds. It's it's one of those deals where if I'm guarding you and you score, our team would take it out of the net, we'd throw it to the three-point line to clear it, and then we would play. So you have three players on the floor. You have one sub. And it's funny because our team, we sub every dead ball. Because there's times where you go like six or seven possessions in a row of offense to defense and, and vice versa, and uh, everybody's gassed. It's funny to see how if you think about playing pickup, no one ever wants to sub out, right? Sure. Um, but in this, you can see moments where all three guys in the court want to sub, and you can only sub one guy out. So it's uh, it's an interesting game. It's, it's been really fun to kind of 
get to know the game and, and play it and then also play at a high level. You played that way, I'm sure, you know, on your driveway or with friends growing up. And then, you sure. know, you went on to college and, and played at a very high level. But how did you get back into three-on-three? Did someone introduce this to you? Did you just kind of stumble onto it? Yeah, so I was playing in Russia and I was in Moscow, and I legitimately hated every day. Like, I, I had enough. So I uh, had a friend who, his name is Craig Moore. He played at Northwestern. We played against each other for two years um, when I was at Purdue. He was playing up in Evanston, and uh, he was a guy that we became friends just through playing against each other. But then after our college careers, he would always check in, whether I was with the Timberwolves or in Spain, Italy, or my last year in, in Moscow, he was the guy who would check box scores. He works on Wall Street in New York, um, and he'd check box scores and, and just check in. You know, hey, I t- like I saw you didn't play a whole lot, or I saw you had a big game, good stuff, like whatever. And the summer after I was in Russia, he uh, he hit me up and he was like, you know, where are you signing this year? And I told him, I was like, I'm not. I, I have offers, but I, I'm done. I, I cannot go back overseas. If I'm not going to play in the NBA, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to play anymore. And he was like, dude, don't do it. The 9-to-5 job is brutal. <laughs> um, don't, don't, don't stop playing while you still can. And I was like, I've made up my mind. I've got some stuff lined up with TV, uh, with Dixon Network and ESPN, but I, I've had enough of, of doing this over here. And he understood, and he was like, well, you know, our, we played three-on-three, three and we're going to start playing on the world tour this summer. Would you want to maybe be our sixth guy? You can have six guys in your roster. And I was certainly skeptical because it's like, you know, you start looking at the dynamics of playing, and most of these tournaments are in Asia or Europe. There's only a few in North America. So it's like, you're telling me that we're going to fly 13 hours to play a maximum of five 10-minute games. So you're playing 50 minutes total if you win the whole thing. There's two pool play games, and if you're in your top two of your three-team pool, then you get to the quarterfinals, and it would be three games to win the whole thing. And you're going to tell me that our flights are covered, our hotels are covered, and they're going to pay for our food too. That seems like a pretty big scam to me. <laughs> so he, uh, he convinced me to go on a trip to South Korea, and we flew to Seoul and played and ended up getting fourth. Um, our first time ever playing together, and the, kind of the rest is history. And now, like last summer, our team played, in, I believe it was 21 countries. So it was it was all summer, and it was full go, um, full on toward the Olympics. So, so are these all ex NBAers? I mean, who who's making no, up these no. teams? It's uh, honestly our team is made up of a good amount of IP guys. Um, we have two guys from Princeton, Dame Varieties, and Kareem Maddox. Um, I play at Purdue, so I'm not Ivy League. Craig's Northwestern, so he's also Big Ten. Um, Damon Huffman played at Brown. And then uh, Zaire Carrington's our uh, other guy. He played at Lehigh, so it's not Ivy League either. But half our team is Ivy League-based. And actually, the, uh, a big reason we were able to even start on this whole world tour circuit was because John Rogers, who's the CEO of Aerial Investments, was a Princeton grad, played with like Craig Robinson, um, back when, when Craig played at Princeton, and that's obviously Barack Obama's brother-in-law now. Um, but he was very generous and, and helped us 
tremendously in, in that first year before USA Basketball and FIBA really got involved to help us and, and to cover the, the travel costs and whatnot. But, um, yeah, the, the other teams, you know, there's an American team from New York that uh, is pretty good, and they have a couple D2 guys. Joey King, who play, he actually is from Minneapolis, he joined their team this last summer. He played in Minnesota. Um but the European teams, there's a couple guys that you saw that used to play on their national teams and now have converted, but just guys that are from those countries and, and like to play. Well, I, I saw you've you've had quite a bit of success. Were you 2019 USA Men's Basketball Player of the Year? Did I read that right? <laughs> yeah, slow, slow year for USA Basketball, clearly. <laughs> well, the 5-on-5 uh, well, five five World Cup team not doing well must have helped me out. Well, still, though, I mean, it, that's a nice piece of hardware to have. I mean, where are you in this qualification process? I mean, does Team USA already have a qualifying bid? Have they not named the roster? Are you fighting mm-hmm. for a roster spot? What, where, what is the process? So that's, yeah, that's where it gets kind of confusing. So we won the World Championships, which was the first time the U.S. has ever won. It's been a sport that's do- been dominated by the Serbians. And you would think if you win the World Cup or the World Championships leading into the Olympic year that you would qualify for the Olympics, right? Um, Well, unfortunately, that's not the way FIBA runs this. So the the first three bids were given out to the top three um, federations in terms of points. And they, they determine your country's federation ranking by adding your top 100 players, top nine events. So Serbia is the top country. They've got a bunch of good teams. They've got a bunch of people playing. They easily have 100 people with nine events, so they've maxed their points out. Russia and China are second and third. Um, However, with the Russians' Olympic ban, I think that's kind of an interesting subplot to this. But as of now, I think they're still in it. Um, They were second and third federation points-wise. So there's now... Um, an Olympic qualifying tournament in India, March 19th to the 21st. And that will be a tourney where they give out three bids. So the top three teams will get into the Olympics. Japan is the host country, has a bid. And then they have another tournament where it's countries that have not played five-on-five Olympic basketball in I don't know how long. And they get to fight it out for the last spot, which to me is a tragedy. Sure, um, That's like some Boys and Girls Club stuff right there where everybody um, gets an opportunity, not the Olympic Games, where you uh, are trying to determine the best team in the world. But, you know, that, that's the way it goes. And um, we'll have a, I think we're having a mini camp here in Chicago to kind of pick the team and, and see who goes. But, um, you know, I, I feel good about my chances and I feel like it's it's been a really cool experience. So it, it seems um, winning like, the World Cup is certainly a nice nice boost. It seems like it would be a tragedy if Team USA wasn't represented in some form. But the the countries that you're rattling off right now are not countries that I think would pop up in a lot of people's <laughs> minds as far yeah, I mean as- Serbia Serbia is a really great country for basketball. I, that's I'm I get that hundred percent. They they have earned their, their keep in three on three and they're good in five on five and the Chinese, um, I think they have, I don't know if they have one team in the top 30. Um, and the Russians, they have like one team maybe in the top 30. But yeah, you, when you're talking about the best teams in three on three in the world, they don't reside from those two, two countries. So to me, it's, it's too bad. It's, it could be 
it could be an awesome event, but we'll see. Um, some people have to get out of the way, if you know what I mean. Sure. I mean, have you seen what the venue looks like in Japan at all? Have, have I've you heard good there? things, but I have not been over. We played in, in Tokyo. Uh, well, we were actually an hour and a half outside Tokyo, but that's where the last three and three event of the year was. They call it the World Tour Final. And Japan was awesome. Like, I, I can only imagine they will do a fantastic job hosting the Olympics. And this will be outdoors? Yes. It's yep. going to be very humid. Yeah, no doubt. It'll be a little toasty, but that's okay. We, you get used to it from playing all summer. It's, it's, uh, it's a sport that's been designed to play in, in, in the warmth. So while all of this is going on, while you're in training, you know, while you're looking up at, at rankings and, and other teams, you're broadcasting. You're with yep. ESPN. You're with Big Ten Network. Is it hard to juggle both? I mean, you've got a lot of plates spinning in the air right now. Yeah, it's it's been a challenge. Um, you know, I I love doing the games. I love covering college basketball, so I didn't want to just take the year off. Um, I feel like I'm in a good place in my career in that regard, but it has been a lot. You know, tomorrow I'll wake up at 6.30, that alarm will go off. I'll get over to uh, the place where I'm, I'll meet my trainer, who I worked out with when I was actually playing professionally, and we'll be on the court for anywhere from an hour to an hour 30. I'll try to get a lift in, and then I've got a flight to uh, Lubbock, Texas. I'm through Dallas, actually, around 2 tomorrow afternoon. So that's kind of the typical day. Um, I've I've changed my diet. I've given up pop. I've given up booze. I've, I've really tried to, um, you know, do everything I can to, to be in the best shape possible. And it's, it's honestly amazing to see how I've just been – really the month and a half or two months I've done that, how different my body looks. So it's uh, it's been kind of a challenge because especially when you're on the road, but uh, you, you just find ways to try to eat as healthy as you can. Have you morphed as a, as a player from five on five to three on three? I mean, are there different things that you're looking for, different different reactions than, than maybe um, you had when you were playing five on I five? I always felt like, maybe not so much in the NBA because I, I was more of a you know, stand in the corner and shoot threes when the, when the ball comes to you type player. But like in college, I was always a guy that I could drill pass and shoot. And I think that's really where the, the best players in three on three, especially if you have size, come from. So I think that I, I play the way I always have. I try to make the right play. If I'm open, I shoot. If I'm guarded, I pass. Uh, I've really worked to try to become a better post player because a lot of teams switch pick and roll. Um, which makes sense because there's only three guys on the court, so it's hard to help. Um, so they switch, and you have a lot of smaller guys guarding you. So I've tried to really be more effective posting up and then finding easy baskets at the rim. Is it hard for you to take this step-by-step? Step? If you're, Does your brain wander to Japan and think, oh, I can't, I can't wait to be there, I can't wait to be at opening ceremonies? Or you realize there are many steps ahead of you, and you got to just take yeah, this day-by-day? There's, day. still, there's still a lot of steps. Um, obviously, that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, I think when you look at kind of how surreal this whole situation is, like I, I was so done with playing. Like I was, I was totally cool with just playing a couple times a week in Chicago. There's a great pickup run that I play in, um, really close to my house in Lincoln Park, and I was fine with just playing on Monday, Wednesday nights there, and playing for fun and playing golf in the summers and and just doing the broadcasting stuff. But this kind of popped up and. Um, I think the World Cup was definitely an eye-opener to how close we can be to potentially winning a gold medal and playing in the Olympics. But with that being said, there's still a lot to 
to go on before we get to that that step. Is there any way people can can see more of this? I mean, do you guys are, are your games or matches broadcast anywhere? They're they're all on YouTube, um, so you can watch them on YouTube. They live stream them now. With some of the World Tour events, they've now gone to uh, Flow Sports. We're going to get to pay for, but once the games are over, they archive them. So, like, you could look up the you know the world the World Cup championship game is on YouTube, and a couple of our games from pool player on YouTube, and they'll they'll kind of like archive games on there, and and you can watch. So it's it's pretty cool. This sounds like it will be an awesome sport to watch in the Olympics. I mean, just visually, it sounds like it'll be fun, especially here in America to watch, you know, things that we did growing up or things that we do now uh, essentially become an Olympic sport. Yeah, no, I, I think it's you have to look at like a beach volleyball and, and how much that has really gained traction and people enjoy watching that. Um, and not that people don't like watching traditional volleyball either. It's a great sport, but... Um, I don't think that three on three is going to necessarily take the spot of five on five, but it certainly adds value to the Olympics. And I think it, it does give some smaller countries a chance to, to compete. Um, I don't necessarily like the way that they're having their own tournament for some of these countries, but I think that um, it's certainly much easier to put together a team of four guys than it is a team of 12 to compete with a country like the United States and, and uh, basketball. Do you feel that some of the responsibility of making this sport succeed falls on you and, and, and how the U.S. is able to compete in the Olympics? I mean, if, if you guys come home with a medal, uh, you know, obviously that could really mean a, a, a boom for the sport. Yeah, I mean, that's, that certainly would be nice, but to me, I, I'm not concern with that um you know i don't feel any pressure from that there's more pressure because i want to make the olympics and i want um, our team to get to experience that and i I think it would be great for the united states to be in in the inaugural games but um i I don't feel any pressure in like letting the country down or anything like that you know it's you just take it one day at a time and you work as hard as you can and, and and hope for the best but that's that's kind of how it's been since I was in high school. You know, you just you can't feel pressure to get a scholarship or to get drafted or, or to play at a high level when you, you just get to go out there and do it. But I think if you add that extra pressure to yourself, you're only hurting yourself. You watch the Olympics a lot as a kid or growing up or even as an adult? Yeah, so my, my parents took my brother and I to the 96 games in Atlanta. Um, so I've, I've been to an Olympics um, as a kid growing up. I my mom was super into gymnastics and figure skating in the summer and winter Olympics. So I, we'd always watch, um, you know, track and field was always really big to watch. Honestly, we watched all the sports. It was when the Olympics were on every night, that is what we did. Um, it was just one of those things where I grew up in a big sports household. And, um, I certainly thought that my USA basketball days were over after the world university games. Uh, I played as a sophomore, on uh, our college kind of Olympic team, and I thought that was probably as far as I could go because the U.S. national team is filled with guys who are Hall of Famers. You know, it's not an easy team to make by any means, barring like a you know explosion of newfound talent and athleticism. It was probably not going to happen. So um, it's it's a pretty surreal kind of story, and um, you know it's it's pretty cool. But the Olympics have certainly been a big part of of my life since I was a kid. Good stuff. Where can people find you if they want to follow you online? Um, I mean, on Twitter, just Robbie Hummel. Instagram, Robbie Hummel. Um, those would be the two spots. Um, I'm I'm decent about doing stuff on both. I'm not super active, but I'm trying to do better. So that'd be, uh-huh. that'd be where to find me. And, of course, uh, we can find you on Big Ten Network and ESPN doing some games. 
Yep, you can find me there as well. I posted some videos of three-on-three basketball below so you can get a feel for what this sport is going to look like come July. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Burr. We'll see you next week on the next episode of Quest for Gold. 